0: It's always a special day when we can celebrate a baptism, and uh, just to see God's working in a person's life. It, it was a special day for me because it's been getting a little cold, and that water is so nice and warm in there. I just I just want to stay in there and just keep uh, soaking it all in. It was, it was a beautiful thing. Um, it's not a, a name that you've probably heard of, but a, 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 it was a researcher at MIT named Caesar Hidalgo. Who uh, he was doing some work, and a student came into his office, and he was he had had some music that he was playing, and he decided he would ask, um, do you know what, do you know what this song is? And uh, his student thought about it for a minute, and then she asked, mm, not really sure. Is this Coldplay? And fortunately it wasn't Coldplay, it was the song Imagine by John Lennon. Famous, famous song by a famous artist and yet it was just not something she remembered, not something maybe she had heard. It had passed from her memory. Um, maybe if I was the one asking, I would have been shocked by the response, but he was not. it wasn't unexpected for him because his area of research is how people's collective memory fades from, from our, uh, our, our conversation. So he, he and his team at MIT have developed mathematical models wh- whereby they take in s- massive uh, sources of, of data and they will study the trends by which people uh, peak and become talked about by everyone seemingly and how long it takes for them to be seemingly forgotten for people to just not talk about them anymore, maybe not think about them uh, so much anymore. And, and d- it depends. There are a number of factors depending on who they are and what they've done and, and how they're known. But they, their research shows that people, are, uh, people within 5 to 30 years will pass from the collective conversation. They will be essentially forgotten by society at large and move on. Uh, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, the writers on, on this, a uh, uh, man by the name of Kevin Berger, talked about an example of this. So he said, for instance, with Elvis Presley memorabilia, there was a time when if you had anything related to Elvis Presley and you held on to it for any length of time, the prices for it, the value of it just ha- kept going up and up and up. And you, you, were, you were doing well if you had something that um, was a part of his. And then the price, the values of those things just started to collapse. And what they found was that the people who had been actively buying up all this paraphernalia died. And their, their children got it, and they were wondering, what on earth do we do with this? And they all tried to sell it off, thinking because they were being told, this is really valuable stuff. And as they tried to sell it off, well, the people that thought it was really valuable, they were dying as well. And many people were stuck with this stuff that they'd been told was really valuable that they were, didn't really want, and now they weren't really able to sell. I think of that, and I wonder, do you think that you, like, if, if the king, if, if Elvis Presley is having this problem, what hope is there for you and I? How, how will we be remembered, right? What will people think about us five years after we're gone, ten years after we're gone? 30 years after we're gone. Uh, this week, I have been in palliative care, uh, visiting uh, one of our members. Uh, I was at uh, the funeral on Friday for uh, Fabian's mother. And, and maybe I think about death more than the average person. I think I probably do, uh, and that's okay. But even product productivity experts will tell us, begin with the end in mind. You ought to think about where life is heading to because... It's coming, and you better live in light of that rather than as if it's not a reality, as if it's not there. And so we, we do that. And today's passage forces us to think about how we'll be remembered. W- what we'll be remembered for. What, what, may be, what things in our lives may be forgotten, uh, may be deemed in light of history to have not been all that important. We have been in a series uh, looking at the life of King Josiah, and Josiah, unlike King David or King Solomon, he, he doesn't have as much uh, much of a, of a press following as some other kings, but he was unparalleled in his devotion to God. And we've seen through this series a revival that took place under his leadership that was unparalleled. And yet today we come to the end of that series and we come to the end of his life. In fact, we look at his death and how he was remembered and how he was not remembered. And I believe his, his life and his death gives us uh, a perspective on life and death that is important for us to, uh, to, to have because he, he tells us what's important in life, what will eventually be remembered about our lives so that we can live life in light of that. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me uh, to Second Kings chapter 20 23. I'm going to read from verse 28 down to verse 30, and then we're going to walk through that passage, so it'll be helpful to keep it out, out in front of you. And your pew Bible is on page 308. Uh, again, that's Second Kings 23, verses 28 to 30. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates. King Josiah went to meet him, and Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo as soon as he saw him. And his servants carried him dead in a chariot from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. And the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's place. This is the word of God. Now, I believe there are three things the passage gives us about how we will be remembered. And the, f- the first starts us off with the fact that we're not remembered for most of the things that we worry about. There are many things in our lives that we get super stressed about, super worried about, devote a lot of time and attention to that, from the perspective of history, will be seen to have been not all that important, not, not all that wor- worthy of our time and attention. We're not remembered for most of the things we worried about. I want you to see how this gets brought out in the text. In verse 28, it says, now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Now, if you've been with us through this series, you know that King Josiah was kind of a big deal. He was the John Lennon or the Elvis Presley of kings. He was unparalleled in his devotion to God. Great things happened in the nation under his leadership. He was a faithful king. He was a godly king. And starting in chapter 22, we have been, we have been studying together what, what happened under his leadership. Scripture records a number of things about his life. It, it talks first, about a, first of all about the repairs to the temple. He, he cared deeply about the things of God. And he, he said, that means we've got we've to do, do something about this temple. And then we saw his response to the word of God because as they were renovating the temple, they came across this old scroll, probably the book of Deuteronomy. And they came across the scriptures and when it was read to him, he was just broken he was he was just devastated as he saw how far the nation had drifted from God and his will and he responded with repentance and 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 with a sense of brokenness over his sin we also saw how he reinstated the passover this was a celebration that that had largely been forgotten there there had been pockets of people who had celebrated the passover over the years maybe privately sometimes nationally but Nobody like Josiah had given himself to the Passover it was as it was to be celebrated. He would given attention to the biblical details and he took them seriously. And, and nothing had taken place on this scope that, that he uh, instituted the Passover. And then finally we saw how he dealt with idolatry in the land. He, he realized if we are going to be true to God, we can't also be true to those things that aren't true. And so uh, he dealt with the idolatry, with the false worship that that existed in the land. Then in verse 28, there's a summary statement that all the other stuff is written about in some book that was stored in the library for a while and then got thrown out, got forgotten. We don't have this book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. It, it didn't make it into scripture. It it doesn't exist in any library. We, we don't possess it because it just wasn't ultimately deemed all that important. That's amazing because as a king, there must have been all kinds of things that he accomplished other than this short list of things that we see in chapters 22 and 23. There must have been decisions that he poured over. There must have been major projects that he gave himself to. There must have been international relations strategies that he would have had to, to, to put together with his advisor, advisors. There would have been major projects that he devoted his attention to, and yet all of those just get summed up in this and all the other stuff he did, and they get written down in a book. Not too many people read. Ultimately, people don't decide to keep, and it is forgotten. It's gone. This is not just a thing with King Josiah. It's actually a pattern in the kings. And we see this throughout the books of Kings and Chronicles. Uh, for, for example, with King Ahab, it says that he, has a, he he built a house of ivory. And he also built a bunch of cities. There were major projects that he took on. But the scripture just sums it up all in a few words and says, and it was written about in this book, and it's in the library, and you can go, go there and check it out. But it doesn't tell us any more detail. Ultimately, from the perspective of history, all of those things were just deemed to be not all that important. And, and you can almost hear Ahab saying, you know, do you, do you realize what it took for me to build that house of ivory? Like that was a huge undertaking. Or, or the, the cities that he gave himself to, they would have consumed large portions of his time, years of his effort. And they're essentially forgotten. Not nearly as important as he thought they were. I, I love how King Asa's reign is summarized. It says in First Kings fifteen twenty three. Now the rest of all the acts of Asa, all his might and all that he did, and the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? But in his old age he was diseased in his feet how would you like to be King Asa and come and see all of your, your things and 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 the major projects that you had undertaken and actually come to the conclusion and the realization that they had devoted more words to describing the disease in your feet than some of your accomplishments like that that's harsh right and, and it's just a realization that our lives are going to be seen through different eyes people are going to remember things about us that Maybe we th- didn't think we were going to remember. Like He was like, I sure hope didn't, anybody didn't remember the disease in my feet. Like I, I was hoping that some other things about my life would stand out. And some of you might be tempted, and I, I might even be tempted, to draw the wrong conclusions from this. We could, we could draw the wrong conclusions because the takeaway isn't that do- God doesn't care about cities. Because he does. We, we we learn that elsewhere in Scripture. That The message isn't that, What we do isn't important because it is important to God. That's not what we're to take from these people's lives and how they were remembered or, or what was not remembered. The message is that the work we do without regard for God will ultimately, in the perspective of history, be seen as not all that important. Not all that significant, not not worth remembering. First Corinthians three thirteen Paul talks about a kind of testing and evaluation of our work that I think is important for us to see. It's taking place at the judgment and 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 you you'd really want to go through the entire passage to get the full weight of it, but we'll just we'll just t- take one of the verses here, verse thirteen, and Paul says, each one's work will become manifest. that means, it's going to be revealed, it's going to be made, made clear, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. What he's doing here is he's talking about believers and he's saying that there's a time coming in the future when all that we do will be Tested it 'll be evaluated it uses the the language of fire because in the first century if you wanted to test something to see if it was valuable or not you would you'd, you'd burn it so if, if you had someone told you they, they had some pure gold they'd say well let's see how pure it is and you would you would expose that to fire and it would burn up the impurities you'd see how much real gold you had and how much impurity that you had and and the fire would test it and what what Paul is saying here is there's a time coming for all of us when our lives will be tested by fire. There will come a reckoning where people will be able to see. God will actually disclose and, and lay bare our lives, and we will be able to see what, how much of it was real, how much of what we did, what we had we had done in faith, in response to the goodness of God, in a knowledge of his will, and in obedience to him, and how much was really just all about us, was all about what we wanted and what we wanted to put forward and wasn't really thinking about God or his purposes, his plan, or any of that. He says, that, that stuff, that's just gonna get burned up in the fire and people are not going to see it as worthy, as significant. It's not gonna be worth remembering. It, it, it might go in a book somewhere in a library that nobody takes out, nobody reads, but it won't ultimately be judged to be worthy. And this isn't just talking about the religious stuff, right? It's not saying that in the end, God is going to add up all the religious stuff we did, and that's really important to him, all that other stuff he doesn't care about. No, this doesn't matter whether you're trading stocks or framing houses, raising children, or doing, doing other things in, that people call ministry. Whatever you do can either be done for God's glory and in response to him and as an outworking of his will in your life, or it can be done for your glory and an outworking of your will for your life, your purposes, your plan. And he's saying, that stuff's all gonna get burned up and forgotten. Nobody will care. But the things that we did in faith, the ways that we acted, those decisions that we made in obedience to him And in response of gratefulness and faith, those things will be seen to have been weighty, significant, worth remembering. That should cause us to evaluate the things that we do, to see what we do in light of who Jesus is. So we won't be remembered for most of the things that we worry about. But we will be remembered for the things that we did in faith. And this is important because there are small steps of obedience. There's little acts of faith, little sacrifices that we make that kind of feels often like nobody sees them, nobody cares about them. They're not really that big a deal. But we will be remembered for the things that we did in faith. Now, there were a lot of things that Josiah did that weren't all that significant, didn't get remembered, just got written in a book somewhere, put away. But 2 Kings 22 summarizes what were, was worth remembering well. It says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn away aside to the right or to the left. It's a a reminder that God remembers our acts of faith. He sees what we do in response to what he has done and it's significant to him. He remembers it. It is etched in his memory. He sees it as significant. He takes notice of the sacrifices that are real. He sees what we do in devotion to him. The encouragement of scripture, though, is that God isn't the only one that remembers. That people will actually remember too. People will remember your acts of faith and devotion. For example, Proverbs 10, verse 7 says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. People will remember and reflect on the good that you do. I heard that at... Fabian's mother's uh, funeral yesterday. People reflecting on the goodness of God that they witnessed in her life. A- and and it, it makes an impression. It changes people. It encourages people. I-, I heard people talking this week about the impact that Beryl had made on their life. Uh, things that she had said or done. The faith that she had expressed. And, and they just talked about how it encouraged them. How it had lifted them up. How it had built their own faith and continues to inspire her. Inspire them long after she's gone. It also says in First 1 Peter 1, 1.7, The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to just pause and look at the words. Just, just, reflect on what's being said here because it's an absolutely incredible statement of what will happen in our future. Not only will our works of faith be remembered, it's saying that the things that we do that demonstrate the genuineness of our faith, they're actually going to cause people to erupt in praise, to, to start singing in the streets, to, to, to feel a sense of joy and celebration. It's describing some kind of heavenly ticker tape parade where in that time of testing, people will come through the fire, their, their works, good and bad, the things that they did in faith, the things that they did without regard for God, that, that testing will take place. And when the, the things that we have done out of devotion to God in response to Christ's work on the cross the things that we did in faith will come through that fire and they will be seen to be gold. And people will, will see the significance of that. People will see that what she did, that was real. Her faith was real. The, the things that she did out of devotion, it, it, it was the real thing. They'll reflect on that person's life and this person's life and it will cause people to celebrate they'll celebrate what they've seen in that person but ultimately the celebration will turn heavenward when and we recognize he couldn't have done that on his own Pe- people don't just act like that people don't sacrifice like that people don't give like that they don't share like that that that's just not that's just not normal that's that's not how people 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 are selfish and yet what i saw in his life is incredible what what has been revealed about that person's life is gold. And it's worth celebrating because only God could have done that in that person's life. Only God could have caused that kind of sacrifice, that kind of devotion. And people will be celebrating. They will be lifting up songs of, uh, of, of praise and, and, and glory and honor. I mention all of this because sometimes we can tr- treat those acts of faith and obedience as kind of extracurricular. They're, they're good and all, and, and on Sunday they make us kind of feel good, but you kind of head into Monday and there's a lot of stuff going on, and it kind of feels like that's the real thing of life. It kind of feels like all those other things that we're about, that's really at the heart, and this, you know, obeying Jesus and following Him, and st- like that's that just kind of feels like not that. Important. Nobody seems to care. As we, when, when, you, when you leave these walls and you go out, and people aren't applauding that. It, people aren't celebrating your convictions. They're not patting on your back because you've done some secret act of devotion to God. It just doesn't seem all that important. And because it doesn't seem all that important to the people around you, and to you, you start to think, maybe it isn't all that important. Maybe it's not that big a deal. And and the fear is that for some of us, there's not going to be a lot left to celebrate in our lives after those things that we did without regard for God get burned up and forgotten. People will reflect on our lives, and maybe for, for, for some of us, there just won't be that much left. There won't be that much that we had done in faith, in response to God, out of obedience to him, to bring him glory. Once all of those things that we did for me, for my glory, for my plan, for my purposes, gets forgotten and left behind and deemed really not all that significant. My other fear is there are some of you who are leading God-glorifying, sacrificial lives that are ticker-tape-worthy, devotion and you don't think that your lives matter all that much. It doesn't feel like what you're doing is all that significant because the world hasn't thrown you a party recently. There's not been a lot of celebration. There's not been a lot of pats on the back. And the encouragement of Scripture is that God notices, God cares, God remembers, and there's a day coming when all of us will remember too. We'll see what you have done for all that it is, and we will celebrate. We will will lift up praise to God because we'll stand back and say, people just don't do that. That is incredible. And it's a reminder that those things will be remembered. Long after people have forgotten about Elvis and John Lennon and Imagine and Coldplay and everyone else, we'll remember those things that were done in faith in devotion, out of love for our Savior. So what will people remember about your life? Are you living in light of that celebration? Are you giving yourself to things that will withstand the fire, that will come forth and people will say, that's gold, that's the real thing. Those are the things that will ultimately be remembered. So we won't be remembered for most of the things that we worry about. We will be remembered for the things that we did in faith. But Josiah's life leaves us with another important perspective on how we'll be remembered because he gives us a picture of how he died and uh, some of the circumstances around that. And so I want to just deal with the text. The righteous are remembered as supporting actors in the story that Christ headlines. If you try to understand the story arc of Josiah's life on its own independently without relation to Jesus Christ and to his story, it doesn't make much sense. And if we look at the people's lives, maybe even our own lives without relation to him, there's a lot of confusion that can go on. A lot of misunderstanding. The righteous are remembered as supporting actors in the story of Christ headlines. I say all this because if you've been with us, you've seen the kind of life Josiah lived. He was gold standard king. He was devoted to God with all of his heart. And as you've seen the things that he's done, you can't help but feeling a sense of dissatisfaction with how he died. Maybe disappointed. Disappointed. Verse 29 and 30 show him going into battle and squaring off with Pharaoh. Squaring off with the king of Egypt in battle and it doesn't end well. It's not even some heroic battle scene where where we see him pulling out his sword and they're going at it back and forth and back and forth. It says, as soon as Pharaoh saw him, he killed him. He dies unceremoniously in battle and we're thinking, what's going on? I thought the good guys won. Like, he was on your team, Lord. Why did he die in battle? What happened? Where were you? Didn't you care? What's with that? We actually know quite a bit about this battle from extra-biblical sources. It took place in 609 BC when the pharaoh, King Nico uh, 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 King the II, marched north, and he was traveling from Egypt north to join the Assyrians. The Assyrians were above, above Israel, and they were going to join together in an offensive against, ba- offensive against the Babylonians and the Medes. As Pharaoh Nico traveled north, Josiah, for whatever reason, decided, I'm going to intervene in this one. I'm going to step into this battle. And he did so at a city called Megiddo. It was te- technically a, a, a city that he had taken. It was, it was, it was his to, to occupy, but to step into this, uh, to cut off the Egyptians as they were going, on, going to catch up with the Assyrians, we don't know. And scholars are undecided whether this was an act of courage or an act of stupidity. He, he could have been acting to assert his authority, to protect his his land, but they were kind of just passing through they were they had bigger fish to fry, and they were heading to uh, deal with a different enemy. He could have been trying to get in the good books of the Babylonians. his grandfather had had uh, uh, some uh, commitment to to the Babylonians, and it could have been this was an expression of his uh, his goodwill and to to stand up for another power and, and maybe this is a political move. Ultimately, we don't know and ultimately, Scripture doesn't comment on the decision. We're still left unsatisfied. Why did he die like this? Why didn't God step in? We're left confused and frustrated. And it wouldn't make any sense if we just evaluated Josiah's life on its own Without relation to anything else that was going on, but we're never to do that. That's never the point of anyone's life. We're not the lead actors in the story of our lives. It, it's like it, it's like if I went to see Les Mis and I come out of the musical and I'm singing the songs and I'm thinking this is a really great musical, but I just can't figure out what happened to the innkeeper and his wife. Like what what was going on with them and 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 if you were there with me, you'd say, Paul, like the story isn't about the innkeeper and his wife. It's about Jean Valjean. Like To, to, to get hung up on, on what happened to the innkeeper and his wife, that's kind of the, beside the point. They contributed to something and someone greater. They contributed to a greater story, but it was never all about them. And, and so we, we don't ever evaluate any person's life on its own. We always relate it into terms of how they contributed to a greater story and to the lead actor. It's the same with Josiah. He was a supporting actor, and so are you and I. We're, we're not writing a story about our lives. We're not the lead in this play. We aren't getting the headline attention. Our lives are making a con- contribution to a greater story. And our lives only make sense in relation to the lead of that story, Jesus Christ. The final chapter of his story, still to come. And the final chapter that he writes will be glorious. It will be better than any story that you could have written for your life. It'll be better than any play where you were in the lead. His story will end with triumph and victory and celebration. And the people that had willingly submitted themselves to playing a supporting role in that story will find great satisfaction in how it ends. But we take our part. We play our role. Now, God had promised David that his descendants would sit on the throne forever. He had made these great promises that that it would be through David's descendants that a Messiah would come. Uh, The word Messiah is just a, a Hebrew word that means the anointed one. And each king, each descendant of David got anointed. They were set apart and they were anointed with oil. And people would have this hope and expectation, maybe this is the one through whom God will bring that final victory, through whom God will bring uh, that great, uh, the fulfillment of all of the great promises. Josiah showed great promise. As he rose to the throne, people would have had great expectation about his life. He lived with an incredible devotion. He was incredibly faithful. And there was probably a lot of expectation of what might happen through his life. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is whom God will bring all of those promises. And he accomplished much, he, he brought much blessing to the people. But then he died. But through his life, he had given the people a taste of what it all could be. They gave him a taste of what the, anointed one, the real anointed one, when he came, would be like. And he created a longing in the people for an even greater king. No sooner than uh, Josiah was buried, that verse 30 records the people took Jehoahaz, his son, and anointed him king in his father's place. But Jehoahaz wasn't the greater king. He wasn't the, the Messiah, the anointed one to whom Josiah's life pointed. After Jehoiakim came Jehoiachin. Then came Zedekiah. And it wasn't either them either. People kept waiting. Kept waiting for another Messiah, another anointed one to come. Finally, Jesus came. And he shocked the people gathered in the synagogue one day when he stood to read the scroll of of Isaiah and he announced, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus claimed to be the anointed one. He claimed to be that Messiah, that Christ. Christ is just a Greek word for anointed one. He claimed to be that one who was anointed by God to come in fulfillment of all of the promises, the one who would be the lead actor in this great story that God was writing. He is the greater son of David, the greater king. He, was, he, he is the, the one that people had been longing for. He's the lead. We're the supporting actors. He's ultimately the one who will evaluate our lives. I talked about our, our works being tested, our lives being evaluated. He is the one who will make that determination. He'll determine what things in our lives are forgotten. He'll also be the one who will determine what things in our life are truly worthy of celebration. Worth remembering. Worth holding on to because they're real. They're gold. And so I need to ask whether you're going through life as if you're the, you're the starting lead. Whether you're going through life as if this is a story about you and you get, to, you get to write the story, you get to write the script, you get to end it the way you want it. Or whether you've realized that that story isn't worth remembering and it's not in, worth investing your energy in that the real story that we ought to invest in is the one with Christ in the center. The one that scripture assures us will end in victory, end in celebration, end in relief and deliverance for the people of God. As we abandon our own scripts, abandon our own plans with us at the center, and accept his plan and his purposes as supporting actors in this story that God is writing with Christ in the center, we enter into something that's far more glorious than anything we could have done on our own. We enter into a life that is worth remembering, a life that will be remembered because it was lived in relation to the one who is ultimately significant. I want to invite you to to do that. that. That's what Ming declared this morning through her baptism, wasn't it? It's not about Ming, it's not about us, it's about him and what he desires to do in and through us. The step of faith is to, to do that, to, to, to turn and abandon our script and to accept his script, to accept our place in this, this, uh, th- this world and in this story that he's writing. Let's give ourselves to him, turn from those things that ultimately won't be remembered because they won't be seen as significant, and give ourselves to the one whose opinion is ultimately worthy, who will determine what was of substance, what was real, what was gold, and worth hanging on to. Let's turn to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we pray for your help in seeing our lives through your eyes. Help us not to worry about the things that really don't matter. Help us not to obsess over things that will soon be forgotten. But help us to live for things that matter, for things that endure. Help us to treat our acts of faith and devotion as significant in your eyes. Help us to remember the cheering and the singing of people that will come people who will celebrate the acts that testify to the genuineness of our faith. And humble us, Father. Humble us that we'd be content with our roles as supporting actors. Forgive the pride that keeps thinking we can steal a show. It's all about Jesus Christ. We praise you for him. In Jesus' name.